the buzzword, I guess, from five years ago was explainability uh, within this space. And that's because GDPR used that word. And that's, that's what people were interested in. If you look now, fairness is really what's on the top of mind for everyone doing regulation. Welcome to Unlocking the AI Advantage podcast. We are here to fast track your success by leveraging the power of AI in business. Each episode brings you closer to the cutting edge of technology and entrepreneurship. Let's dive into the world of AI and make extraordinary strides in your journey. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of Unlocking the AI Advantage podcast. This is your host, Ramesh Danta. So without uh, documenting the journey of the startup founders, uh, I came across a company. Uh, the company is tackling a different kind of an AI problem that we have seen in the past, uh, than we have seen in the past. And this particular thing about how do you ethically, fairly implement AI? So we all know the concerns that people are expressing about uh, AI and the ramifications of a bias in AI models, bias in, in the data, and how can we trust any model or any company to um, actually implement AI in a, in, a, in a fair way, right? So this company that I'm going to introduce to you is tackling that problem, okay? It's a company called Fairly AI, and uh, it's uh, led by two co-founders, uh, David and Fionn. And today we have David. David, welcome to the podcast. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks, Ramesh. So let's get started with the usual uh, introductions here. So David, and if you could introduce yourself, who you are, and uh, what have you done in the past, and what are you doing at Fairly AI? Absolutely. I'm David Van Bruen. I am of uh, Canadian background. I'm out of Kitchener, Waterloo. We will not hold that against yeah. you, David. <laughs> uh, but I, I did spend some time living in the United States, uh, did grad school at Cornell, and spent a few years over in Berkeley on exchange. And I met my wife there, uh, lovely architect, and uh, we've been uh, from the moment we met, uh, we've uh, been together, and I don't know, 15 years later or so, uh, we have uh, built a life uh, from there. We had uh, a lot of experiences along the journey. Uh, she's uh, Jamaican descent. We have a mixed race child in Canada, and I've learned through that uh, there's very different experiences that people have. Um, I... I went to the Ivies and I've been in a position uh, that gives me a different point of view uh, from other people. And what I studied was able to bring me into a very technical side, but then also I was in a philosophy major and that was giving me access to a lot of information across the diff the disciplines, which is what I loved. It was, uh, um, mixture of psychology. I did cognitive science effectively. So I studied ethics. I studied history of philosophy and medieval philosophy, but my passion was with mathematics, philosophy of language, uh, philosophy 
of uh, uh, math and logic, which was my specialty. So we did a lot of work um, on trying to formalize ethical principles, um, doing game theory to prove how you could uh, convince other people to be moral um, along the same lines as doing a lot of uh, very pure uh, mathematical proofs and uh, theorems. So that gave me an interesting perspective, I think, uh, to say the least. And uh, uh, at some point, I tried to create a formalization of English or natural language in uh, mathematical formalism and have that work on my computer. So you started your journey with the startup uh, that is a child safety, uh, and then you started using ML. So is that your introduction uh, into uh, induction into AI ML space? I did a lot of artificial intelligence throughout my academic career beforehand, um, but it was primarily focused on uh, reasoning using logical language systems. And uh, towards the end, it, w it became much more focused on uh, natural language processing. So the first time that I sought to actually commercialize uh, artificial intelligence enabled product was through this uh, startup. And it was a very fascinating journey from the, um, it doesn't matter if you have a, a published paper that posts very high numbers and its results if when you actually build it in a product and have people use it it's it's just not uh, working very well i mean the the lived experience versus the profiling numbers are are not always the same um, and that is the case with uh, anything, the, the reality versus expectations, right? <laughs> right? So, so now tell me a little about, David, your current company, uh, the company that yeah. you guys have started, Fairly AI. So Fairly is building the compliance layer for artificial intelligence. We have a focus on satisfying policy needs in companies, organizations, um, where there's a divide between the people that are building the products, the engineers, the data scientists, and the people that are concerned with the actual uh, legal, uh, institutional um, policies that need to be applied to these products. And we've spoken to so many people that have had the exact same experience, which is sometimes you could build a AI model in a day and take a year to get it through all the compliance checks before it's actually put into a product. You can have an amazingly performant system, but if no one really understands the risks around it, the comfort level is not there to put it out. And so the information that needs to be put together in one place is immense. The complexities on the legal regulatory compliance side are way too important to ignore them. And yet the people building the technologies just don't have 
the capacity to get into it. And then on the other side, being able to understand at a technical level what's needed to bring these tools into a state of compliance goes far beyond a typical person tasked with that. And so being able to match this up programmatically, having all of the information available in highly, usually very highly siloed uh, departments um, is something that all companies are struggling with. Right now, there's a lot of email, there's a lot of very long reports, there's a lot of committee meetings and things at the end of the day are just not um, tracking the reality on the ground and not keeping up. And this is not a problem that uh, is, I would say, capital H hard problem. It is a problem that can be solved through uh, information management, um, IT uh, type projects that have been going on in many different domains uh, are, are well placed for this. It's just ultimately a kind of two-sided platform problem in the way of matching up many different policies on the one side with many different technologies implementations on the other side. To some extent, I can relate to this because there's data governance, right? So there's a, yeah. even before AI ML, right? So there is a, mm -hmm. you know, uh, companies wanting to implement uh, data related projects for analytics or whatever. And then the data was all over the place. And then this whole data governance framework came into being best practices, the policies and standards and all the stuff companies can put. But the difference I see here, I would like to ask you, the yeah. data governance is not a government mandated uh, person, yeah. right? There's no regulatory body saying that you have to have a data governance, right? in, information yeah. governance. Whereas in the AI space, the question to you, you're talking about you're a compliance layer, a company trying to put that together. So yeah. what, what are, like, how do you know what are the compliance things that the companies need to comply with is there a standards body is there a regulatory body or a government agency that is laying out these rules that you you are fairly ai is taking and putting into some framework can you talk a little bit about that sure so there's a progression from traditional models that are used in many industries like financial services models that make predictions that are often um, unreliable or imperfect, even weather system, you know, there's models that make predictions there. So in some sense, there's nothing new about this. Uh, it's just a, a more performant technology uh, that AI is now. Um, when people say AI is what they're talking about. The FDIC, the Consumer Financial Protection Board, the um, fair lending laws, um, the uh, just general model risk management uh, guidelines from the Federal Reserve uh, that have been enforced in a serious way since 2011 are just the tip of the iceberg of what, say, someone in financial services putting a model out have to go through. So while there may be uh, nothing seriously enforceable with the words AI in the United States at the moment, um, there's a whole thicket of questionnaires, of checks, of 
legal work of teams doing risk, teams uh, doing governance, teams doing audit, etc., that any AI project has to get through. And in a sense, were it all put together under one umbrella of this is your AI compliance requirements, it would be so much easier to swim through that mess. And so if you talk to people in the right departments of large organizations, they have absolutely no question uh, a lot of work to do with uh, AI compliance. Um, over the next decade, it's just going to be worse. Um, it's going to be worse, exactly. So does it mean um, that fairly AI is dealing with this problem domain by domain, like a finance, insurance, um, uh, you know, our uh, e-commerce and, and those uh, areas? Or is there a horizontal way that you can approach um, that compliance trial for many industries? There is a huge amount of repetition in the specific information requests that are being asked for all of these different policies or uh, regulatory concerns. So in that sense, being able to put a large number of different uh, group, you know, policies is what we call them. They break up into controls together in one platform means that you can really streamline the process. So in that sense, there is a lot of work that can be done just by managing that complexity that exists today. The European Union is almost certainly going to be passing horizontal AI regulations, and they're in draft form. It's been put through enough paces that it's likely to go through before April 2024 because there will be a change of leadership. And so all of this work kind of needs to happen before that um, makes it hard to do again. <laughs> um, so it, that's the timing on it. They would likely enforce it 12 to 24 months afterwards. And at that point, it's going to be a mad scramble for companies to get ahead of this if they haven't already been doing the work now. So there's international effect of that of course just like gdpr if your company does up it, you know california makes some emission laws all cars sold in the states have to comply with it it'll be the same uh with ai so that's that's certainly a big one to look forward to but also um canada has the ai data act uh, that's coming through there's initial moves in new york city with uh, hiring uh law so any AI-assisted system that's used in hiring has to be audited. And what we found is the buzzword, I guess, from five years ago was explainability uh, within this space. And that's because GDPR used that word, and that's, that's what people were interested in. If you look now, fairness is really what's on the top of mind for everyone doing regulation. And that's for a very important reason, one that's motivated me personally and motivates the company, which is the um, difference between, say, data protection or data security and AI is that AI, wh what is it used for? It, it's used to make 
automated decisions. It's used to set business strategy. It's used to do things that have a meaningful impact on people. And the way that it does this is it reproduces patterns that are seen in the data that's been stored. Now, if your data is storing patterns that represent historical discrimination, then it will reproduce those patterns and perpetuate that. So harmonizing thing to be very concerned about that's specific to AI, and this is recognized in uh, the expected updates to the financial services model risk management guidelines from the Fed, what's new for AI is fairness has become a major issue that we have to deal with when we are allowing computer systems to look at the way we've behaved in the past and then try to do that autonomously in the future. Got it. So David, a question that comes to my mind, um, looking at our audience, right? So people who are listening to this, uh, you know, it could be solopreneurs and entrepreneurs and small business owners, and then, you know, uh, probably a mix of people who are working in the large enterprises as well. So is fairly AI uh, producing this software or tools and products that you guys are producing, are they meant more for the large enterprises? Or do you think we are at a stage where, you know, GDPR, if I have a website or a CCPA, you know, so I have to adhere to it, right? So that means my web developer needs to know what I need to comply with with respect to GDPR, CCPA, and I accept all cookies and all that stuff, right? So are we at a stage from an AI compliance perspective that impacts everybody or it's now mostly uh, has to be adhered by the large companies? Everybody. Um, and where we have a big opportunity is with the people that can't afford an army of PhDs excited about compliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's a rare bird. Compliance. Yeah, right. That's a good one. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for tomorrow morning to be excited about compliance. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So as as much as it can be put in a platform and automated and other people gain the superpowers of being able to, say, dig into the AI technology through a platform, being able to apply policies that they understand uh, from, say, a compliance audit legal risk department, uh, and then not have to bother the data scientists with all kinds of things that they hate dealing with. That's highly valuable everywhere. Um, the need to worry about this is, is uh, so let's say you go and start a company is going to be doing artificial intelligence and you go into an incubator. The first thing that they'll tell you is don't do B2C. B2C is, is terribly hard. Um, do B2B, you know, that, that's generally the, the safer way to go. The investors will feel the same and you'll get your first check uh, if you go that direction. Not always, of course, but that happens a lot, right? So now you're you're going to sell to a large enterprise. So you're not a large enterprise, but you're building AI for large enterprise. So you're going to have to do the things the procurement is going to ask you to show. So everyone, um, the next couple years are going to be very interesting for mid-size and regional banks. They have amazingly uh, difficult um, pressures placed on them now on both 
the push to adopt artificial intelligence in order to keep up. You don't want to have JP Morgan does automated fraud detection on your account, but the third national bank of Virginia or whatever, um, we don't check for fraud. You know, th that's not going to stand up. They're, they're going to lose their customers. So how are they going to address that? They're going to go to startups, fintechs, vendors, and they're going to be purchasing um, fraud AI-powered fraud detection. Now, they're also being heavily supervised um, in a way that they hadn't before because of the Silicon Valley bank fallout, the stability. There's So they need this kind of technology, um, and they need it yesterday. So no, large you need and small... compliance. Yeah, sorry. So you need a yeah. compliance checks by the companies who are adopting AI. At the same time, the companies serving the market as well need to prove that they have compliance checks as well. That's right. That's right. So even a larger company, like uh, large uh, credit card companies, for example, forty percent of their models are vendor models. Um, and it could be even higher at this point. So all of their vendors, if they can get on the same page about what the compliance requirements are for AI, how they're tested, it, it's transformative. Excellent. It looks like a fantastic opportunity for failure. Okay, so um, it, it's, it's one of those things where you know there is a problem and mm -hmm. you're trying to serve the market uh, for the known problem. Whereas yeah. in this case, we, we, we know there'll be a problem in the future, right? So you're preparing themselves, uh, you know, preparing the companies and preparing uh, the products and services that this upcoming problem, which is going to be huge, right? It's the same yeah. GDPR when it came into being, the companies that were, you know, um, ahead of the game and then they benefited a lot from uh, helping. So you, you, you seem to be on that cusp of that uh, thing happening. So David, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we'll connect again. Thank you, Ramesh. Yeah, it was fun. And that's a wrap on another insightful episode. But remember, the power lies in applying what you've learned. If you found value in our conversation today, please share it with others who could benefit, subscribe for more, and consider leaving us a review. Visit theaientrepreneurs.com for more resources, including golden gems of articles, chat GPT prompts, AI tools, tutorials, gifts, and much more. Let's keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Until next time.